Well, good morning to you all. You know, if, you, if you're a little cold, you can snuggle with each other too. You know, what's really funny is when we're a little lighter, you all still sit in the same spots. <laughs> Just an observation. We are uh, in the second week of a great series on the book of Philippians. If you've never read through or been a part of a church that went through kind of a whole book, uh, this is a great opportunity. If you were not here last week, uh, you can uh, see it and be a part of it, but we want to just ask you to journey along with us. Uh, we've been talking about this idea that that what Paul is talking about is this unspeakable joy that he experienced very personally and profoundly in his life. And so he was talking about it to anybody and everybody, and his circumstances were really bad. I don't know about you, but if I'm in prison, I'm not thinking about telling everybody about Jesus, maybe in my early stages. I mean, he was. And last week we looked at that for him, that, okay, I'm in this really bad situation and I'm, I'm there unfairly. I'm going to still talk about Jesus and I'm not going to be afraid and I'm, I'm not going to hold back. And so last week to this week, it kind of builds. It, it, it just, they, it's just kind of, it's a, it's a little bit like my, my wife, when, when she was teaching me algebra in college, is my last class to graduate, and, and me and math, we don't like each other all that much, and my wife can attest to this. So those of you that like math, God bless you, because man, that is not my thing. And, and I learned quickly that she's like, look, if you don't learn these basic things, they build on each other, and there's a point where the light bulb doesn't click on anymore. And that was me. And I remember that I was, I, was, I was remembering all the processes, and we were like at the last end of the semester. And I'll never forget Beth, because this is a lot like learning the book of Philippians, like learning the book of Romans, and a lot of the books is, as you follow along, it tends to build on itself. And I remember that I was getting it, and I was, I was doing great, and we got to this last section. And I remember Beth looking, and she goes, I am so glad we don't have to go any further. Because she knew that the light bulb was dimming quickly. Because <laughs> I wasn't getting it. <laughs> and I, I want you to think about, as we dive into Philippians, to really say, okay, God, what do I need to learn? What do I need to get? What do I need to understand? I want to make sure that as we build on this, that I keep getting it along the way. And so I want to just remind you of that. Kind of the theme for today is the idea of advancing the gospel. And we're going to also adv- give you a good definition of what the gospel is. Because you, you hear churches say... We're about the gospel. Read, talk about the gospel. Share the gospel. Uh, I have to. Help. I, it occurred to me because we, when we interview college kids to work at Super Summer, we ask them this one question: What is the gospel? And you would be astonished at all the answers you can get. And they're not that they were wrong, but they weren't consistent. And so I want to help define that, hopefully for you, maybe a little bit more concisely. So as we get started. When we have a singular mindset referencing the gospel, you see your circumstances as opportunities to advance the gospel instead of wallowing in self-pity. And you're going to see that with Paul in just a moment. See, what you don't realize about Paul is, um, you know, you've heard that term that he was in chains. Do you understand that he was in chains? And what I've learned about chains is that when you are in chains, I mean, you're in the chains of, of circumstances, of sin, of all the above. It can be health things. It could be financial things. It could be relational things. Chains have two ways that you can approach life. 
You can either say, woe is me. Why am I this way? This is so unfair. They get freedom. I don't. Or you can say, what's the opportunity because of these chains? Make sense? When I was a boy, uh, many of you know, uh, I, I grew up with dyslexia. And, and until they figured out what that was, I struggled immensely in school. And as a kid, the first thing I thought of was I was just not that bright. That I wasn't very smart and that I just wasn't. And so I wore this chain for a lot of years with the idea that woe is me. This is unfair. I'm this, this is the way I am. I, those kids are way smarter than me. Education comes easier for them. Um, somebody asked me, um, I was talking to a church member this last week, and they said, what was it like being dyslexic? And I said, I can give you, as a freshman in high school, that moment when I was mortified about my dyslexia. We were in Sunday school class when I was growing up at Sharon, and we sat in a circle, and it was, uh, we were, um, it was just all guys, and we were in a circle. And I'll never forget that the teacher would assign all of us a verse to read, and we would sit in a circle. And so immediately, instead of being eager to dig into God's Word, guess what I spent my entire time doing? reading that one verse that I had over and over and over and over and over so that I sounded somewhat smart. And so Sunday school for me was painful and scary and I was so, I was so concerned about sounding somewhat intelligent. And so this chain for me got heavier. And so guess what I did when I got into high school? I bought into the chain of my life with the dyslexia and I did absolutely the bare minimum through high school. And you know what I did? I blamed it on that. I blamed it on that so that I could say, well, my dyslexia, so, you know, I get a pass. I don't have to work as hard. Just get, just get through school. And I realized that um, it took me a lot of years. It took me a lot of years. Uh, when I was the youth pastor here, my first go-around, I, I had a guy that really challenged me to start reading because reading was a kind of a way for me to get over my fears. And I was like, uh, reading, not, I, you know, unless it, it it's big, unless it's got, it's a, I started reading. And I just started reading. Um, my wife had a book series by a pastor called Intimate Moments with the Savior. And that was an instrumental season of my life that I began to say, okay, I can't let this chain. Everybody's got chains, but what you do with them is really important. And Paul's going to show you that real clearly. And I just decided that I was not going to let this hinder well, God, I still got dyslexia. I still, you'll every now and then, you'll hear me kind of fumble through words. It's not because I'm not prepared. It's just that, this is my stuff. And that's what I deal with. And I, you know what? I'm okay with that now. I'm not afraid of it. Whenever I go speak up at Central Christian, I speak to 7th and 8th grade kids. And every time I go, I ask, I said, okay, where my, where's my dyslexia people? And you'll be amazed that a, a dozen to 20 hands will fly up. That's me. And I'll challenge them independently of everybody else. Don't let the chains of that hinder what God wants to do in your life. Now, I say that about me. That can be true of any of you in here. The chains have an opportunity. 
You can either you can either wallow in the self pity of woe is me, or you can look at it and go, okay, God, I don't really like it. I don't. It's not fun. This is hard. But what do you want to do through it? And Paul wants to show you. Okay. So let me give you this idea of biblical joy because uh, Keith and I were talking about this last week. I, I think one of the mistakes that we make in church is we say you ought to be joyful. And that's kind of a nebulous, kind of like, oh yeah, I should be joyful. I should walk around with a smile on my face. Well, let me see if I can give you some, maybe some bound, some things. Uh, I, so I thought about this a lot last week, because after we talked about it on Monday, because we, were, we, were, we evaluate the services, and I was like, you know, you're right. We say the word joy, and like, is that, is that a smile on your face? Sometimes, not always. So here's what I came up with. See if this helps you. It helped me. All right? Biblical joy is an attitude, a choosing to be joyful. It's a choice, okay? You could be grumpy and whiny and complainy. That's a choice. Or you can say, God, I'm going to be joyful even though it's hard, okay? And not only understand, I don't understand everything, but it's, I'm going to do that. It's about where we place our focus, either on the stuff or on Christ. It lives with gratitude of what's been done for us. See, I think one of the reasons that we're not as joyful sometimes is because we have forgotten what's been done for us through Jesus. And if you've been a Christian a long, a long time like I have, sometimes you go, oh yeah, I gave my heart to God when I was 17. Um, uh, and it's like, oh yeah. No, if you live with an awareness of what Christ did for you, it kind of helps level out the playing field for all of us. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Philippians pretty easy. We're in chapter 1. We're, we're going to do a few more verses this week than last week, but there's a lot in these, so we're going we're gonna to walk through them, I hope, effectively and clearly. So what I want to do is you're going to Philippians. We're going to start in verse 12, and I'm going to read this. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 15. So indeed, preach Christ so some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that every, in every way, whether in, in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in, in, in that I rejoice." This gets so good. Look, I mean, look, we're going to unpack all that, so don't panic. It says this, Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayer and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this too will turn out for my deliverance. At this eager expect, expectation and the, and the hope, I will not be able, I will not be all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether in life or in death. For to me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. For I am to live in the flesh, that means faithful labor for me, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, for that would be far better. But to remain in the flesh, more necessary on your account. I am convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and your joy and faith. So, so that 
in me you may have an ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or I'm in absent, I may hear that you, may, you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation that is from God. For, verse 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here, now here, and here that I, I still have. So you, you get this gr- beautiful picture that he's talking to us about how to handle the circumstances of the chains that all of us have. Do I focus on it or do I say, okay, God, what can you do through this? What can you do around this? So now let's go back and look at that. You've got to insert here if that will be helpful to you. There, you can write certainly on the back. The verses of joy are on the back again, or this idea that we are, there's a lot of verses on joy. And if, I hope maybe you can be encouraged by that. So let's walk back through that now. Let's start in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance. And that word advance means to blaze a trail. It means to blaze a trail. Blaze a trail to the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and so that the, the rest of my imprisonment in Christ. This is amazing because if you don't really understand the imprisonment idea is this. When Paul was chained up, he was chained up like this, okay? And here's the crazy part. On either side of him was a guard. And every four to six hours, there were new guards, and you can, first off, you're not escaping unless you're bribing one of those guys. Okay, think about that. So, every four to six hours, I love this. Go, look at what it says. It says, he says, I want you to know that my imprisonment, even though it's unfair and it's unjust and all I've been doing is telling people about Jesus, he's like, you know what? I'm getting to tell a whole lot of people about Jesus I would never, ever encounter. I would never ever meet. I would never be able to cross paths with these guys. And look at what it says. It says, so that it became known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So every time he had a guard change, you know what he did? Hey, can I tell you about this Jesus I know? Hey, can I tell you about this Jesus I know? Now, let me tell you, I'm sure some of those guys are going, oh, great. He's going to tell me about Jesus. You want to switch guard? You want to switch prisoners? I don't want It says that over time, the more of them started to hear and they responded to the gospel. His own guards. Can you imagine that they gave their heart to God and he's going, hey, can you tell me more about this Jesus? Can you tell me more about this Jesus? Can you imagine that, the, that instead of a guy going, man, I am un- here un- unfairly, unjustly, he's going, I want to tell you about Jesus. And so every time there was a guard change, change he said, let me tell you about Jesus. And it says that so that it became known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment was for Christ. He took his chains. Instead of saying, woe is me, he said, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I, can I tell you about this Jesus that has radically changed my life? And I'm sure that the, I'm sure he got the, the, the imperial guard's attention because typically those guys are going, I'm, this is unfair. I'm innocent. And he's going, I don't really care why I'm in here. But since you got on my left and you on my right, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I love this. 
If you're taking notes, this is kind of a big one. Your season of life are God-ordained opportunities. And see, if you will see whatever your chain is, whatever you're shackled up to, instead of going, oh, woe is me, going, okay, God, how, what, what could you do through this? What could you do because of this? And Paul said, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And you know why he could? It's because of what was done for him. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because he knows that it's the power to change lives because it changed his, going back to Romans. So verse 14 says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This was verse 14. He says that everybody is, is hearing of my boldness and they're going, man, if Paul can talk about it and he's shackled up, then so can we. Can you see that when we choose to look at our our seasons of life as opportunities, they have a contagious aspect to other people. Does that make sense? So if you're walking through a hard season, you got watching eyes going, how are they going to handle this? How are they going to treat people? How are they going to walk through this? Their imprisonment was unjust and unfair. Are they going to throw rocks at people? Or are they going to look at an opportunity to advance the gospel? And it says, Paul says that the, the, advance, the advancement of the gospel was taking place because I chose to focus on the kingdom and sharing the gospel than the unfairness of it all. How we handle stuff really impacts people, folks. It really does. And I know that there are times, I mean, it is hard to be joyful in the, in the loss of somebody you love, in the uh, seasons of health, in all, take your pick. But in those moments, there are moments where you're saying, okay, God, I don't understand why we're walking through this but it's an opportunity to honor you and reflect you. And I remember that the longer, that the, the soon as I started looking at the dyslexia of my life as an opportunity, I was like, now, man, I, you know, I get opportunities to talk, talk to kids and adults. I remember talking to an adult in here a couple of years ago. They were new to our church and, and he was a father and he had never ever told his kids that he was dyslexic because he was ashamed. He was embarrassed. And I said, don't be. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And whatever yours is, it's an opportunity. You either focus on it or on the op- or how can God be glorified through it. Okay? So, Paul speaking. He's in chains. He's got guards on either side. And there's a revival going on in the prison, in the, in the imperial guard. And everybody else knows that Jesus is preeminent in Paul's life. Verse 15. So indeed preach, some, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others for goodwill. The latter do it out of, not out of love, but knowing that I was put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of a selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in either way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Think about this. You've got a group of people that Paul's in prison, so they're trying to do something to either make him look bad or to try to further get, you know, distance themselves from him. Um, they they want to make sure that we're, we're, they were still teaching the gospel. They were still accurate. They were still being on track, but they were doing it in a manner that was, un, that, was that had a, 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 a below-the-surface purpose. They wanted to make Paul look bad. And I don't know exactly how they were doing that because here he was with prisoners on either side talking about joy and they're thinking, how can we make Paul look bad in this environment? 
And Paul's like, if you make me look bad, I don't really care as long as God's being glorified. Who thinks like that? Who thinks like that? Now here's the shocking thing. Do churches do that today? Can we make another church look bad? Churches do that today. Can we make another church look bad? Are you struggling a little bit? Oh, that's too bad. Boy, I hope you guys figure it out. Boy, I hope not. And it, and, but in your heart, you're going, boy, I hope they fail because then we'll get all those people. Am I right? See, we don't say that out loud, but we think that. And I want to do something I don't normally do in here. But Aviator, their pastor who'd been there a long time, that's church started, he left and took a church in Minnesota. And they're going through a really hard season. Really hard season. And I want that church to succeed. And you know why? Because they're going to reach people we'll never reach. They'll never reach. We won't reach the, the people that they reach. And they preach the gospel. I know the interim pastor who's over there. They have a heart for God. I know him personally. And they're trying to do a good thing. But it's very difficult right now in their current season. We need that church to succeed. We really do. So I want to pray that they do. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask for forgiveness as a pastor, as a Christian, that we have quietly hoped that a church would fail so that we would get bigger, so that we would say we were doing it better or right. And I ask for forgiveness as, a chur as churches that we have spent more time doing ministry out of rivalry than out of the gospel. And I lift up to you this morning, Aviator, that they would fight, that they would heal, that they would grow, that they would work through whatever things they've got going on as they transition for their next pastor. I pray, God, that that church would flourish for your sake and your sake only, and that we as a church would support them in whatever manner possible so that they would be a church that reaches people for the kingdom of God. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. So Paul is saying, look, you guys are... You guys are, you, I don't, you, you don't like what I do? Okay, that's fine. And I love what he says. He goes, he goes, in either way, as long as Jesus is being glorified, you can say whatever you want about me. You can say whatever you want about me. And so you see that, that the content was probably, was accurate because he, he says that it is. He doesn't say that they were wrong. He says that they, but they had, a, they had this other motive that they wanted to make Paul look bad. All right. He goes, fine. As long as the gospel is being proclaimed, you can throw me under the bus. As long as Jesus is happening, because look what he says in verse 18 again. What then? Only that in any either way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. I love that. So, we've heard this word, the gospel. And I, you think in your mind, well, you know, you, you've heard a lot. You read books, preach the gospel, live the gospel. We're a gospel-oriented church. Um, share the gospel. And I was like, okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me get this down to where maybe you just need to hear it this way. The answer is pretty simple. What is the gospel? It is the message of God's grace revealed in Jesus Christ. And it is centered on his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? And if you're not going, okay, Dan, that's still up. Read the gospels. That gives you a pretty good picture. Actually, read the whole Bible. So let, let me go back. Paul... Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians. You see it up on the screen. 3 and 4 says, For I delivered you as of first importance with what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. 
Paul is telling you, he did this for me, and he's willing to do it for you, and that we are to share the gospel. It is the message of God's grace revealed in Jesus Christ, not in your works, not in, in anything else, not in Christ and something else, Christ alone, and it is centered on his life, death, burial, and resurrection, and Paul knows it profoundly. So he took his chains, and he said, I'm going to be wearing these chains. Here's the crazy thing. Even though he was telling people about Jesus, the chains were still there, weren't they? Just because he was being faithful to God doesn't mean the chains go away. My dyslexia is still there. I just choose to not let it hijack my life anymore. I just choose to say, I'm going to keep fighting because God's called me to do what I do, and that requires that I read in front of people, and sometimes I get nervous. But you know what? That doesn't mean I should stop doing it either. So you can't let your chains be an excuse to say, God, you can't really do anything with me. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what season of life you're in. God has a purpose for you. And so that gospel message is pretty clear. So he says that. He goes, I'm excited. I'm going to proclaim the gospel. Keep on going. Verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether in life or in death. He goes, whatever happens, doesn't matter, as long as I have honored Christ with my life. And this, and I love the idea of hope. I, I want to read this to you. Hope is not crossing your fingers in a naive, wishful thinking against great odds. Rather, it is a divinely divinely implanted response to the sure promises of God. See, he was so sure of who God was in his life that he could say, I've got my hope and my hope is not centered on me. My hope is in Christ and what he can do with my with with those chains on, I know he can. I've got hope and I my hope is confident. It's not arrogant, it was confident in Christ. And so he says, I'm going to honor God and I know that God can work through this. And even though the chains aren't coming off, I'm still going to be faithful. And, it's, and so, a couple quick things. Thinking about what Paul says, I'm going to honor God with my life. And I want to throw these questions to you. What will you live for? What will you live for? And the, the word I would say next to that is what will you be known for? Okay, what will you be known for? When it's all said and done in your life, what will you be known for? The second question is this. What will you die for? What are your convictions that you will draw a line in the sand and say, I know that we're going to disagree on this. I know we're going to disagree on this. What will you die for? And the last one is this. What does it mean to live in a manner worthy of the gospel? What does it look like for you to live in light of what Christ has done through his life, Derek, death, burial, and resurrection. What does your life look like? What are you prepared to do with your chains? Now, I will tell you, chains are heavy, right? Especially these. And you can think, oh, I'm just weighted down. Uh, you know, I've got this and I've got that. Again, focus is crucial. What are you focusing on? Where are you? Where is your focus? And that's important for us is because where your focus is is where your heart will be. And so he talks about that. He goes, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to finish this race well. And then, he, and then he kind of validates it in verse 20, verse 21. He says, for me. Now, that means when he says for me, he goes, I don't know about you. I don't know what you're going to do, but this is what I'm going to do. He says, for me, to live in Christ 
and to die is gain. He says, for me, I'm going to live for Christ. I mean, if you want to memorize a verse, that's a good one. Okay, that's a, in fishing terms, that's a keeper. That's a, that's a really good one. If you want to highlight, mark, put a little star, man, that's a great verse. That, that, that reminds you that you can't, but he can. Okay. And this is a reference. This is the, uh, somebody, he, he also said the same thing in Galatians 2.20. If you're familiar with that verse, he said, uh, he said this. He says, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Does it sound familiar? Very similar. So Paul, I love this. The, the for me, reveals Paul's firm resolve to make much of Christ through his life regardless of his circumstances. He was going to make much of Christ even though he was wrongfully in prison. He's got these shackles. He's like, oh man, God, this is so unfair. He's like, God, an opportunity. I get to share Jesus. It's interesting because we started this series on how to be joy, how to, how to, how to have unspeakable joy in, the, in circumstances. And what it did for me this past week is it, it, it heightened my awareness as I inter- engage with people at all places whether it was Quick Trip or my bank or Dylan's um, at the DRC, uh, restaurants, wherever, it was an opportunity to express not this fake joy, but to say, because you can talk to somebody, you can figure out pretty well, pretty quickly, they're not in a good season of life. They're in a, they're just whatever. And you're like, okay, you can speak joy because it's true for you. And it, God heightened that awareness in my life about that. And so we have this opportunity to do that. So if you think about this idea of advancing the gospel, you know, we're talking about Paul advancing the gospel. I want to a couple quick things here. Advance the gospel means living, means living, living means Christ. That your whole life is based on living for Christ. Living depends on Christ. Living honors Christ. See, all of those are about Christ, that whatever you're in, you're going to make, you're going to make the most of an opportunity to express Christ to the world around you. And that unspeakable joy that we've been talking about is says, even though I'm in this and I don't like it and it's unfair, I'm still going to honor God. I'm still going to make sure God is, is known before it's about me. And let me tell you, that's hard work, folks. It is hard to, to find joy in, in physical stuff, in relational stuff, in spiritual stuff, in financial, and uh, you just take your pick and you're like, how can I find joy in this? Let me promise you, God has an opportunity and you may not see it initially, but it's there. So he, he says that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. He says, I am hard-pressed between two. I desire to part with you and be with Christ. But, this, but that would be far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you, with you all, for your progress in the joy and in faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again. This is an interesting couple of verses here because you get a sense that God made it pretty clear to Paul that you're not dying yet. Your time hasn't come yet. There's a reason you're here right now. And you get that because in verse 25, that one word, convinced. What convinced him? I don't know about you, but if I got guards on either side, I'm like, man, I'm, you know, that clock is ticking. I'm in trouble. 
I'm, I, they're, 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 the sentence is coming. And, he, and, and, and you have to think that God gave him a quiet resolve that said, you're not going anywhere yet, buddy. We got a few more things to do. And how do we know that? Because Paul's words, I'm convinced that I'm, as much as I would like to go and be with Jesus, that would be easier. I need to stay. And I'm convinced that God's got me here for a little while longer. The only way that he knows that is because he has, he is so connected to the Father, he could say that with integrity and clarity and confidence. And that's contagious. He says, I'm convinced. And so verse 27, and, he, and he's, he's encouraging his, his followers, the people that are, are, are learning from him, he's, he, the people that are seeing him live out his life. He says this great verse in verse 27. He says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Woo! He says, whether I'm there or not, I want to hear that you're proclaiming the gospel, that you're living for God. The spiritual life is a battleground. Am I right? It's hard. And what Paul is telling us, we must die to self daily. That you got you to gotta say, God, I can't, you can't. God, I can't, I'm not sure exactly what to do in this situation, but I'm going to make sure that you get glory and honor through it and around it and because of it. This idea of living in a, in a way that says that this idea of living a, a grace-filled life is that you're also really patient with people, especially Christian, because th- this, this letter was particularly written to Christian brothers and sisters, am I right? So he was asking them to be patient, to have show mercy, gentleness, because they're on the same journey you are. You're not all there yet. We're not all there. And that as a church... The better we do that, the watching world sees it. And they go, wow, look at how they treat each other. Man, that person, you know, they, wow, they, just, they, they treat each other way better. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. And so when we're talking about being worthy of the gospel and sharing the gospel with everybody around us, is, is, and, and I'm not talking necessarily about, let me, you know, Jeremy, let me tell you about Jesus. Oftentimes, folks, it's about how you're living your life. It's about how you conduct business. Are you in a business environment where integrity is going to be compromised? Are you in a conversation that you're going, ah, I think I'm going to hold off on telling the truth on this one. I'm going, to, I'm going to back up a little bit. Or are you so grace that you don't want to tell truth? That, that idea that are we prepared to live that way? Are we prepared to live in such a way that what our lips and our lives are synced up? They can't be two separate things. You can't have a bunch of words that your life doesn't back up. It's important. Verse 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. He goes, don't be frightened by what people are saying about you. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, My friend shirt. um, Andy Addis is pastor at Cross Point in, in Hutch, and they, they do church a little differently because they have lots of satellites and um, they, they do it differently. And you'll be amazed at how many churches throw rocks at their church. Pastors do. Well, because they don't do it our way, they must be wrong. They, no, no one does it like that. And I know lots of people who attend those churches, uh, lots of people. And 
they believe and teach the gospel and uh, Andy will be, uh, he's been one of our, it's like you would have this pastor as one of your camp pastors of a super sermon, but you think he's unbiblical as pastor of his church. You know, and I, I think about that as a church that when we think about advancing the gospel, that the opponents, I, I remember talking to Andy about this. He goes, you know, Danny, he goes, I, you wouldn't believe guys who will tell me and go to meetings with me, but then privately they're, they're, they wish that we would fail. They wish that we would fail. And, he, and Paul and Paul's saying, your opponents, if, you, if, if they don't like what you're doing, if they don't like the way you do it, as long as you're advancing the gospel, keep doing it. Don't spend all of your time comparing. Don't spend all of your time going, boy, you know, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. I wish we were less like this and they were more like... Man, what if we spent more time saying, God, are you being... Are you front and center of our church? Are you being honored by the way we're doing this? He says, don't let the, don't let the opponents pour cold water on advancing the gospel. Don't be frightened by them. This is a clear sign to them that their destruction by your salvation and that of God. He says, this, is, this, this isn't going to go well for them because I'm going to get this thing done. Verse 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict, so, 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 same conflict that you saw that I had, and now here that I still have. He says, let me tell you, just remind you, and you know this, walking with Jesus and living for God, there are going to be moments where people don't agree with us. We're going to take biblical stance on, on issues that people are going to go, no, nah, I'm not sure I can go that road. They're going, to, they're going to be people that are going to be, no, I don't, your, your belief about these things. He says, if Christ suffered, we will suffer. And I love this. You show how much the gospel has impacted us by how much we deny ourselves and walk with one another and take up our cross so Christ will be magnified to a hungry, watching world. There's a hungry watching world that wants to see, do we do, we, do, we, do, we do the things we say we're going to do? Do we live out what we teach? Are we prepared that with chains wrapped around our arms that we can proclaim the gospel even though our circumstances aren't fair and unjust? And we're living more and more in that culture, folks, and you know that. But I also know this, the culture in which we live in needs to see joy front and center. The gospel being made known to everybody. And I see this played out. Matt Chandler said this so well. He said, when we forgo our own way to stand together in the spirit of Christ, we make the gospel look supremely valuable. See, when we have our chains on and we're we're living for God, we make the gospel look really good when we do it collectively. It's a powerful thing. It's it's like an unstoppable force. And Paul was trying to encourage his crew, like, look, I know you're going to take heat. I know you're going to get, people are going to say things about you. I know you're going to be unjustly things done. At the end of the day, are you honoring God with your life? Are you finding some sort of joy in that? Paul is saying, chains on me. I'm telling people about Jesus. Again, it's really crucial. It's really crucial. You can either focus on the woe is me, not fair God, this, that, whatever, or you can say, okay, I got this stuff, God. How can I honor you? How can I proclaim who you are in my life? See, joy starts with a choice. 
God, am I going to choose to figure out what I can get out of this to live for you? Or am I going to choose to be self, self, self-loathing and finding all the unfairness about it? Well, God, you healed them, but not me. That's not fair. I've been going to church longer than them. And we play those kinds of cards and God's going, um, you're forgetting what I'm, I've asked you to do here. And so I took my, my chains and I carry them with me from still and I trip on carpet and big feet. And one of the things I've noticed about chains is that even though I put that over there, they're still with me. But you know what? I don't think about the word dyslexia until I talk about it. I don't. Because I have chosen to say, God, I'm going to honor you through it. I'm not going to make any more excuses about why I got it. And that takes work and time. It doesn't happen overnight. But I know it's important for me personally. Whether I'm a pastor or not is not the point. As a follower of Christ, that God's called me to live my life in a manner worthy of the gospel. And I have chosen to do that. Let's pray. Father, I am fully aware that in this room that for some people the chains are weighty. It might have been something that was done to them or withheld from them. It might be their own doing. It might be just, it might be a season of life that came to them that had nothing to do with them. It's just we live in a broken world. And I pray that all of us, God, we would see those chains as an opportunity to advance the gospel. That we would look at them instead of saying, woe is me, we would say, okay, God, what can I do through this and because of them? God, I thank you for Paul who lived out a life worthy of the gospel that he said opportunities are abounding because of my chains. And I pray that we would do that because it's a contagious thing when people see that we are living for God. They look at us and they say, If he can or if she can, then I can. Living for you is the greatest joy and privilege that any of us will have. It's light to a hungry world that's looking for hope. And we get that great honor to do that for you, God. And I pray, Father, there's somebody in this room who doesn't know the hope that is in your son, Jesus that they would have the courage to respond. There may be some in this room that are followers of you, God, but they are weighted down by their chains and they've spent far too long looking at all their life and going, woe is me, instead of saying, God, what can you do through this? And I pray, Father, for the next few moments, if we need to respond in subcapacity, that we'll have the courage to do it. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I'm asking you to stand. This is